This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. I'm your host, Art Wiederman. I am a dental-specific CPA. I have been uh, a dental-specific CPA for, last time I checked, a little over 36 years. Uh, I am now a dental director uh, with the wonderful CPA firm of Eid Bailey. That's E-I-D-B-A-I-L-L-Y. And uh, we're recording this podcast on Wednesday, November the 11th. Uh, So you might have noticed, folks, that we had an election last week. You might have heard a little bit about it on the TV and the radio and reading about it and on the Internet uh, and all this stuff. And there's a there's a lot of stuff going on. So I thought it was appropriate. And, you know, one of the great things about working with I Bailey is they have resources that I again, I I've been with the firm three and a half months. and I'm still learning about what these guys do. And uh, several months ago when we were doing webinars for dentists uh, on the PPP, um, I met Mel Schwartz. And Mel is the Director of Legislative Affairs for I Bailey, and um, uh, I'm going to introduce him in a minute. But Mel is Mel lives in, in uh, we'll call it the Beltway, I believe, and uh, he is, uh, every day of his uh, career, he's talking to people at the Treasury and SBA and congressmen and senators and staff people. So Mel is about as good of a resource as I could ask for to, you know, Uh, devote to this edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management, which is, okay, now we have an election. It's not 100% done, but what is it going to mean for tax legislation? What is it going to mean for dentists? What is it going to mean for PVP? So we're going to talk about all of that today. Uh, I want to do a little business first. Uh, First, I want to share my uh, information about our wonderful partner, Decisions in Dentistry magazine, uh, www.decisionsindentistry.com, uh, fantastic clinical content, a, an advisory board, second to none in the dental profession, uh, great continuing education courses, uh, for example, diagnosing benign uh, white oral mucosal lesions is one course they have, clinical considerations for drug interactions, and then basic concepts of green dentistry. I thought teeth were white enamel, but I guess there's some green stuff going on, but they've got great courses on all of that. Uh, go to their website, www.decisionsindentistry.com. 
And if you want a complimentary consultation with a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, just click on that. We'll get that taken care of for you. And if you're not a member of the, uh, if you're not working with a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, I Bailey is a member of the Academy of Dental CPAs. We work with about uh, close to 800 dentists in our firm. Um, you should be working with one. That's www.adcpa.org. And today, the 11th, came out my 100th podcast. And it is a wonderful interview with the uh, executive director of the American Dental Association. You should be seeing, uh, I believe, something, a blurb about it in the ADA News and on the ADA social media. But if you go on to Bailey social media um, places, I guess you would call it, which is Twitter, uh, Facebook, and Instagram, uh, and you like us, or you go on to our website, www.ibailey.com, and you check in, uh, uh, you, you basically subscribe to the podcast, which you can do by going to the industry link and then the dentistry link. Uh, you will be in the running, which we will announce on the 18th of uh, November, uh, a week from today, for a $100 Visa gift card. So, uh, if you like what we're doing and you like the interview, we'll send you out to a nice dinner or something like that. Well, uh, anyway, uh, well, one more thing I want to remind you of is is the research and development tax credit is a big deal for dentists now. And uh, Mel and I are actually going to talk a little bit about that today. But uh, we have a landing page on our website, which is www.idbailey.com forward slash dental rd. And if you do any kind of innovation or new procedures or processes um, in your dental practice or practices, uh, great for prosthodontists and periodontists, oral surgeons and general dentists that are doing advanced, uh, uh, advanced work, which many of you are doing, uh, click on to that um, link. He'll give you some information and you can fill out a questionnaire and our R&D team will let you know uh, if it is um, – if something's going to work for you, we've had dozens and dozens of dentists from all over the country from the podcast who've done that, and we're engaging, and we are um, we are increasing, like I say, the federal deficit as we speak, which is something that Mel loves to hear about. So, without further ado, let me introduce my friend uh, Mel Schwartz, uh, Director of Legislative Affairs at I Bailey. Welcome. Yeah, thank you, Art. Well, thank you, thank you for being on, and so uh, you're in. Uh, Washington. In fact, uh, when we record these, we record these on Microsoft Teams, and I see the background of the Capitol building and in, in, uh, behind you. So, um, so not much going on in uh, in the Beltway this last week. Not not much. What what's what's life been like in Washington D.C.? It's been kind week? of uncertain. People are trying to figure out uh, where the uh, where the election ultimately is going to go. Okay. The, uh, a lot of feeling, I think, that. Uh, the, the, the major networks probably uh, uh, have a higher likelihood of having called this than uh, the complaints from the other side. But nothing is decided yet. We're going to have some recounts. And uh, uh, so people are kind of trying to think about how does this develop out if Biden is the actually the president-elect or if uh, President Trump retains his, uh, his job. Uh, and there's some very, very different results in very, very different uh, avenues that people are going to be exploring, depending on which way that goes. We're going to talk about that. So a little bit about Mel, and then I'm going to let him tell you his story. Mel, um, like I said, he's the director of legislative affairs for Ide Bailey, which means he's talking to people all the time. And 
Uh, he's not a, a you, you've heard me refer pretty much every week to my good friend, Megan Mortimer, who is actually a congressional lobbyist. She goes and she lobbies for the, um, uh, you know, what, what the American Dental Association is hoping to accomplish through legislation. Mel is a um, uh, involved in legislative affairs. So he's going around Washington and seeing, I'll let him tell you more about what he does. You know, what does legislation look like? How is it going to affect our clients and, and, and all these things? Uh, Mel was the chairman of the uh, Tax Legislation Committee of the uh, American Institute of Certified Public Accountants. He's a CPA and a JD. And um, as I've said with many of our guests, probably way too smart to be on this podcast, but we, we let him on anyway. Right, Mel? I appreciate it. Appreciate okay. it. So tell us about your story and your journey and uh, your career, and, and then we'll get into our topic. Oh, like a lot of people, I came to uh, came to Washington for one year. I got here the day that President Reagan signed the 1984 Tax Act. Uh, and like a lot of people who come to Washington, I just never went home. Uh, my excuse is I married a local. So, uh, and then I was fortunate enough to work on Capitol Hill for six years as the staff of the Joint Committee on Taxation, which. Uh, gave me an opportunity really to become involved with the legislative process, particularly to become involved in the trying to figure out how to make the ideas that are put forward by the politicians, how do you make that work in real practice? What does it look like when you have to implement that? What does it look like when you have to report that? Which is an area that I think uh, Congress is not always completely comfortable with, is completely knowledgeable of. And uh, that really leads into, I think, what is the key to the position that I hold with I. Bailey, which is to be able to convey some of that information and some of that knowledge that we as accountants put together uh, to the uh, to the staff and to the members in Congress. So when you're talking to people, Mel, about uh, tax law and stuff, you're not as much trying to influence legislation as much as you are trying to maybe educate some congressmen and senators and staff people, given your CPA knowledge, because the, the, the lobbyists are not really CPAs. They are, um, uh, you know, they're, they're lobbyists, right? Does that right they're sense? lobbyists. And, but, that, but things move across, things move across the line. And certainly, I hope that some of the information that I can bring that's based on the knowledge that I Bailey and the professionals that I Bailey have developed uh, that that influences how the uh, legislation is is ultimately written and you know maybe in some issues that we may get into discussing later today uh, perhaps can derail some of the worst ideas uh, entirely okay well that's a, that's a good introduction so let, let's start kind of talking in general terms and then I want to get into some of the weeds about what what might happen with tax legislation, how it's going to affect dentists. Let's start off, you know, so given the election results and, and where we are, and again, folks, I, I, I've really, really tried to not get into politics and Mel and I will not do that today, even though he lives in the place that politics uh, lives and breeds, I guess. We have a, um, the, the as, as Mel said earlier, the presidential election was declared uh, for Vice President Biden. Uh, President Trump has not conceded. He is going down the road of uh, court challenges, and we'll see where that goes. Uh, I did read this morning, Mel, that the Alaska Senate race was called. So it looks like the the Republicans have uh, 50 senators. Uh, The Democrats right now have 48, and we have uh, 
two runoff elections, January 5th in, in, uh, in Georgia, which we'll talk about. So, and the House has pretty much stayed Democratic, I think about a 15-person majority. So with all of this, uh, we've been talking about a stimulus package. I know that, that Senator, uh, that, that, that uh, uh, Chief of Staff Meadows and Mnuchin and, and uh, Nancy Pelosi have been talking, but nothing happened. Do you see a stimulus package happening at all before January? Well, I, I see a stimulus package happening. Whether it is before January or not, I think is an open question. Uh, clearly, there there is going to be a lame duck session of Congress. In fact, they have already started the lame duck session. Uh, the Senate held votes yesterday. They're going to hold votes tomorrow. But uh, whether this is something that can get done between now and the end of the year, or whether it's something that falls over into, uh, let's say, early late winter, early spring. Uh, is very much up in the air at this point. We really don't know uh, what the real, as as we go through the process of dealing and trying to settle out the presidential election, we don't know how that is going to affect relationships between the parties uh, in Congress. And uh, until we begin to get a sense of what's going to happen in those two runoff elections down in Georgia, and those are not scheduled until the 5th of January, uh, right. So we, that we, raises that raises some questions as to what position each of the parties is willing to take, uh, and uh, at least at the moment, it looks like that the Trump administration is stepping away somewhat from the negotiations and is going to leave that to uh, Senator McConnell and the Senate Republicans to handle the Republican end. And of course, they were. Much, they were much less open to a large package than the administration was. And so now we find ourselves in a situation where uh, the House Democrats are at a relatively high number. The Senate Republicans are going to be at a relatively low number. There's a lot of space to bridge between the two. If they don't get it done in lame duck, and any time you're in lame duck, there is a tendency to say, Let's do what we absolutely have to do and then go home. Congressmen love to go out on recess. You know, it's like third grade. You, you, <laughs> you get stuff done, and that means you get to go to recess. So <laughs> that is – and what they have to do is do something with respect to the spending bills, whether it be another continuing resolution or whether it be completing the spending legislation – uh, by the 11th of December, or the government shuts down. Well, once they kick that can down the road, then there's going to be an enormous temptation to say, we're ready to go home, particularly among those members that may not be coming back next year. I'll tell you uh, what, instead of, instead of going to recess, I think they all need a timeout. They should all be put in the corner and given a timeout. <laughs> and I'm probably not the only one that feels that way. I mean, it's... Um, you know, we can get into all kinds of discussions about the fact that the people in this country, uh, you know, are, are in need. And, you know, let's, let's just um, hope that whatever administration takes over the uh, first, second, third week of January, that they're going to do a good job for the American people. That's all we can we can ask for. So I, I want to get into some of this about uh, the Paycheck Protection Program. I've been talking about this for eight months and 
I, I, I told a story on the podcast a little while ago that it's, uh, I went out with some friends and, and they all said, you're not going to talk about business. And, and I said, great. If I mention anything with the letter P in it, uh, hit me or throw me off the boat or something because I've been living and breathing PPP. So the big question that, that we have for the dental profession and that I'm doing dealing with in our year-end planning meetings and our, uh, our members of the Academy of Dental CPAs and everybody else we're dealing with, Mel, is, is at the moment – uh, the uh, Treasury came out with notice 2020-32, which basically says that if you receive forgiveness on your PPP loan, um, you are going to not be able to deduct the expenses associated with that. And that came out in May when everybody thought there was going to be an eight-week uh, covered period and when they thought that everybody's forgiveness is going to be taken care of in 2020 and it would be a wash because you would get the forgiveness, that's not income, then you don't get the deduction and you're no better or, or worse off. Well, now we got forgiveness, it's 24 weeks. Uh, we've got a covered period, it's 24 weeks. We've got uh, forgiveness that is um, uh, 10, and be filing for forgiveness is 10 months after that. So most people aren't going to be getting forgiveness until 2021. So we, we have that issue. Do you get any feel from Congress as to whether they're even going to give us some guidance as to how to deal with that anytime soon? I think if Congress gets to its say, Congress is going to say you can deduct it. Uh, that clearly was their reaction when the original announcement from the IRS came out. Uh, this is not a partisan issue. I mean, both sides made it very clear that they thought was that this uh, really was tax-free money, or this this was free money to the extent that the debt was forgiven. Uh, so I think there's a very good chance that when we ultimately see the next round of stimulus legislation, we're going to see a provision in there that says uh, you can, to the extent you are spending money that was from a forgiven loan, if it was for something that's deductible, deducted, if it's for something that has to be capitalized, capitalize it, but you get to take that amount into account. Uh, now, if Congress doesn't say that, I don't think the IRS is likely to give us any uh, any of a, any break on this. They they definitely feel that they've got the answer under the current law, and they're going to stick with that position until Congress does something else. So, so here here's the here's the sixty four dollar question for you. I understand that, and you're absolutely right. Now. I, you know, you've been a tax guy along, you know, many, many years, your CPA, you understand tax matters better than most. Uh, I like to think that I do too. In my mind, uh, and what I've been telling clients is that for 2020, you don't have forgiveness. You don't have debt forgiveness that is being excluded. Therefore, you have a loan like anybody else. There's no guarantee that you're going to get forgiveness. Um, I've had two clients literally email me and say, Art, I, I'm afraid that that with all the uncertainty, they might just pull all this forgiveness out from underneath us. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but but who knows? So in my mind, I've got deductible expenses for 2020. And then in 2021, I either have to take that amount into income when I get forgiveness or I have to um, file an amended return. I, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. It's like, OK, Mr. Mnuchin, if you want to keep your law that way. That's great. 
but tell us how to handle it. And, and, and you don't see anything coming out of Treasury about that? Not at this point. Wow. Uh, it, might, it might well be. Now, if, in fact, the president has been reelected and Mr. Mnuchin remains in charge of the Treasury Department, then I think he might consider that. If it turns out that Joe Biden is the new president and we have a new secretary of the Treasury sometime in February, a new acting secretary, uh, sometime in February, maybe we then see some guidance. But I don't see the IRS taking us off the hook right now. I think we're going to have to make a decision on our own. Now, as you say, you look at this and you say, well, if it's not been forgiven, if I haven't applied for forgiveness, if I haven't been told I'm forgiven, then it's not forgiven as of that date. So, uh, yeah, I might have to go back and take it into income in 2021. Yeah, and, uh, and that's what but, telling everybody is, you know, guys, yeah. if you've got a, a $90,000 loan um, and you used that money uh, in the 24 weeks and you paid your payroll and your rent and your utilities and interest, all legitimate uh, tax deductions for your dental practice. Um, you know, we're basically saying what I'm even doing with these clients is saying, okay, here's what it is if you get to deduct it. Here's what it is if you don't get to deduct it. Um, I, you know, I, I, I use the analogy, uh, and I've done this in my lectures, is, is that, um, uh, you know, it's the same as, as, as the State Dental Board of uh, California going to one of my clients and saying, okay, you can do a crown, but, uh, you know, we, we're not really sure what impression materials to use, and we're really not sure what your margin should look like uh, or whether you should use porcelain or, or zirconium or whatever, and, and, and that's how we have to tell the patients about that. It's the same thing with us. We, we don't know the answer, so don't shoot the messenger. Um, that's why it's so important for all of my listeners to go – and meet with their CPAs before the end of the year. Um, you know, absolutely meet with your your, your CPAs uh, and, and and see where you're at. See what your choice is. This is a year like no other. All right, we've also been talking, Mel, about legislation around the Paycheck Protection Program, about the fact that, um, uh, well, we've, we've also heard about a second round of PPP. Uh, have you heard anything? They got $130 billion left that they haven't spent what are you um, what are you hearing about a second round of ppp well again assuming that we do get another stimulus bill then ppp uh, both the money that has not yet been spent and probably some additional money is likely to be in a brand new round of ppp loans now those loans may have congress is still a little leery about some of the newspaper reports that came out about people who got some of the original money. Uh, so I think we're likely to see maybe a little tighter rules. I don't know that that would necessarily affect this industry. Uh, so maybe some of the very, very large conglomerates, but uh, certainly not the independent uh, office. I think we're going to see the, I think we're going to see more PPP money. We're going to see more opportunities, and hopefully we will get it right with regard to uh, deductibility of uh, any forgiven amounts. So so what you're saying is my nightmare is not going to end sometime in 2021, maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, it's not a, I mean, this is, it's not a nightmare. This is any time the government wants to send you some money, 
and may not ask for it back, I, I think we should take them up on that. No, no, no. <laughs> I, 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 I totally, totally agree. Um, I know they softened the um, about two weeks ago. Uh, it was interesting. SBA did this. Congress didn't. Uh, they came out with this new form 3508S, which said that if you had um, $50,000 or lower PPP loan, that you basically don't have to worry about having the same number of full-time equivalent employees or having the same, uh, having not reduced salaries by more or hourly wage by more than 25%. So you can ignore those rules. As long as you spend 60% of the money on payroll, uh, you're golden and here's your um, you know golden ticket, get out of jail free. Um, I know there's been conversation about expanding that to 150. Megan from the ADA was even saying they're talking about 175 billion. I'm sorry, 175,000. Uh, again, do you hear anything about that, or is that going to the same bucket of we'll have to see? Nah, there's going to be a lot of pressure, and that's one that I think that the SBA is likely to. Certainly, Congress was hope that the SBA deals with that one themselves, and Congress doesn't have to get involved in it. Uh, the small banks are who did an awful lot of the PPP work, are pushing very, very hard to get that $50,000 number kicked up because of the difficulties that are going to go in uh, just filling out the forms to ask for uh, forgiveness if you actually have to go through and you have to prove all those items. So uh, I think I, I, I'm optimistic that we're going to see that number go up. Does it go up as high as uh, everybody would like? No, probably not. Uh, but again, this may be another reason to uh, hold off filing until January. Yeah. Uh, not only does that take away some of the pressure of are the expenses deductible or not in 2020, but you know, also maybe it get let's give the SBA a chance to uh, to push that number up a little bit. Uh, I, I'm guessing you talk to people at the SBA uh, occasionally. They, they, I'm hearing that they are just swamped, overwhelmed by this whole PPP program and then uh, uh, EIDL. Completely. Is that the case? They would love to kick that number up. And they would love to say, we're not interested in your information. And you know, actually, you look at some of the things that they've put out so far, and it's all, well, keep these records, but don't send them in. So consistent with that, uh, I think that, uh, uh, you know, again, that becomes a, uh, uh, they're overwhelmed and they're going, they need some way to cut down the number of items they need to review. And certainly kicking that $50,000 number up is a very good way for them to do that. Well. Uh, well, I, it remains to be seen. A couple other things before we get into kind of what happens, depending on what kind of government we have and the Biden tax plan, which we're going to spend a lot of time on today. So, um, you know, we're in a pandemic. The economy is, is uh, I mean, it's recovering. I mean, it's hard for it not to recover. It was just decimated in March, April and May. Um, do, do you hear any conversation, Mel, about the, the potential of, of maybe uh, doing what they did you know, in 2021, what they did in 2020, which is is to to, to put off the tax filing and the tax payments, uh, they did that from April 15th to July 15th. Uh, maybe maybe eliminating some underpayment penalties and trying to be kind to the taxpayers, or or do you not hear any of that? Well, the thoughts about that are out there. I think it's a little premature uh, to say whether that's going to come about or not. 
uh, I guess people are going to be thinking about that January 15 estimate and how careful they need to be with that. Uh, but again, I think this this is the kind of thing that tends to get caught up in the transfer of power. We don't know whether the current Treasury and IRS leadership stays in place. We don't know whether uh, a whole new leadership comes in. And uh, it may be that we're, I, I think this will be considered as we get closer to March 15 and April 15. Whether they will get to it before then or not, yeah, I really can't say. Uh, they're aware of the issue, but it's not the number one thing on their plate. Okay, well, that, that's all great, great information, Mel. And I want to get into now. What I want to get into now is everybody was hoping, whatever the result was, that the result was going to be definitive and finished and done. Maybe not on uh, November third, but a couple days afterwards, that has not happened. So we kind of have to do some what ifs here. Okay, so. Now, number one, if there's going to be a change in tax law, Mel, you've been around the block once or twice like I have. So let's say that there's tax legislation next year, okay, and rates go up and things like that. We're going to get into the Biden tax plan in a second. What What do you think, I mean, are we going to get, I, I don't think they're going to pass a massive tax bill on January 20th. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, you and I were talking yesterday on the phone about maybe later this year. What what, what are you, you know, what are people, I, I know they're all, obviously, everybody's uh, concerned with the coronavirus, everybody's concerned with the election, everybody's concerned with who's going to be in control of the White House and Congress, so maybe there's not a lot of conversation about tax taxes right now. But, I mean, if there's going to be a big tax bill, when, when do you think they're going to get to it? That it depends entirely on who's in the White House and probably who controls the Senate. Uh, yeah. And that that Senate, the, the, the Senate really is the is the the big question. As I, as I said before, the runoff in Georgia is not scheduled until January the fifth. Right. So we don't know <laughs> how that's going to play out. And and the dem the because right now the Democrats, in order to get control of the Senate, would have to win both of those elections because then we'd have a 50-50 tie, and that tie is broken by Mr. Uh, Legislative Affairs Director, broken by whom? The Vice President. That's right. And, and who's going to be the Vice President? Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah I, I think uh, Stuart the Minion, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. But um, we'll, uh, uh, so, so okay. So with, with that said, let's, let's kind of talk about some scenarios here. So, and, and, and first of all, before we get into the scenarios, let's talk about Okay, let's say that we end up with a, a, a you know, a Democratic uh, president, a Democratic House of Representatives, and a Republican, albeit by no more than a majority of two, because right now, uh, if that were the case, if the Republicans won both the Georgia seats, they would be at 52-48, which is one less than they were before the election. It was 53-47. So... If we end up with a mixed bag here, um, and, and, and again, it doesn't give Joe Biden a complete um, you know, road to, to all of his plans, how does that work? In other words, you know, do you get two or three senators from the Republican side that might flip over and then maybe Joe Biden does get his tax plan? How, how do you see that working? Well, there are lots of barriers 
to anything that looks like a significant tax package if the Republicans continue to control the Senate. Uh, The rules of the Senate are that in order for – well, two rules. Uh, One, uh, in order for the Senate to take a vote on something, you normally need 60 senators to agree to take the vote. Well, (laughs) my guess is we can find 41 Republican senators that will vote not to take a vote on a tax bill. Exactly. Uh, Now, there are ways around that. There are – it's possible to use a a kind of discharge provision. There is uh, alternatively a technique that is frequently used, which is to wrap the tax bill inside of what's called a budget reconciliation bill. And this – allows you to avoid that 60 votes. But you still have to get the legislation to the floor. Who controls the floor? The majority leader controls the floor. And while I would certainly not expect uh, Senator McConnell, if he continues to be the majority leader on the Republican side, and actually I think they have already voted and he will be the majority leader if the Republicans retain the majority. Uh, he will not prevent any Democratic legislation, but certainly if he decides I don't want to take a vote on Republican on Democratic tax legislation, then I'm not going to take the vote. And he can effectively stonewall the whole thing for the next two years. Uh, and again, not getting into politics, but since Senator McConnell controlled the Senate, that is why they were able to confirm um, um, Amy, Co- Amy Coney Barrett as, as the Supreme Court uh, justice in such a record amount of time because he controlled the whole process, right, wrong, or otherwise. Right. He controlled the whole he process. Controls the whole process. Right. So, so, so basically, it means that, that Joe Biden is going to have a lot of say and a lot of oomph and pressure to do it. Um, and and that doesn't mean that you can't get one of the senators or two of the senators to say, you know, I think we need to do this. And then, you know, who knows? But we'll, we'll have to see how that works. So let, let's get into this Biden tax plan. If, if, if it turns out that, you know, because this is what he's talking about. Number one, and this is more on the economy. Uh, Mr. Biden is the vice president. Biden is talking about increasing the corporate tax rate from 21 to 28 percent. And you and I chatted a little bit about this yesterday. Um, what does that do to the economy? What does that do to, I mean, it affects the stock market, it affects corporate earnings. Um, how do you see that coming down? And, and, and if we if we have a, a, a the Democrats in control, do you think it'll go to 28? No. Oh, okay. Well, I asked <laughs> As a direct answer, answer. you got to love that, no. right? Uh, the... Uh, uh, no, I don't think so. There, there is an enormous amount of concern on the part of the what's looking to be the Biden transition team uh, of putting through anything that looks like a across-the-board tax increase. Certainly, while we're still fighting the COVID wars and we're still trying to bring the economy out of the COVID recession, uh, could they pass something that let's say maybe triggers in the future, uh, maybe at a rate lower than 28%. Uh, You hear 25% mentioned. Uh, I think that's a possibility. 
But uh, I think equally likely is that I, I don't see an increase in the corporate rate for 2021. Let okay. me just put it that way. Uh, now, keep in mind, typically when we have an increase in a rate, either it's effective the date that probably the president signs the legislation or it's effective as of the beginning of the next taxable year. So th- this uh, In this case, I think they would make it effective as of the beginning of the next tax. Well, you might even kick it out and say it's not going to be effective until 2023. So this is an important point. So let's think about it this way. You're a dentist and you are selling your dental practice. You're a dentist and you're selling a piece of real estate. You're a dentist and you have Apple stock that you've held forever and you want to sell it because you want to do something with that or invest or whatever. So in the Biden tax plan, any capital gains of over a million dollars, if your income is over a million dollars, your capital gains rate would go to the 39.6% rate. So, you know, this is something, folks, that you might want to think about. And Mel, certainly I want your take on this is if you're in the process of, of generating a significant capital gain this year, um, the likelihood that they'll raise the capital gains rate retroactive back to January of 2021, probably not very good, right, Mel? Correct. Right. Because Probably not very good. <laughs> well, and again, never say never. But, but, but yeah. then but then what happens is, is that, you know, maybe you have two, three, four months. So the bottom line is we have actually several dentists in our CPA practice uh, that are selling their practices. And we are pushing like the Dickens because they are all petrified to put that gain into 2021. So we're closing in 2020. And, and, and so that's that's something, and, and that would be a big deal, especially for larger clients, you know, people selling businesses. But uh, again, mostly real estate, stocks, um, you know, whatever. You, know, you get a gain from the sale of a partnership interest. Who knows? Uh, the other thing that's interesting in the Biden tax plan is, is that it, 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 it has this social security donut hole provision. So th- th- what, what it says is that right now, when you pay social security taxes um, up to, you pay up to, you know, 12, you as the employee pay 6.2%, the employer pay 6.2%. If you're a dental practice, you're both the employer and the employee, if you own the dental practice. And that goes to a maximum of $137,700. And then you don't pay social security taxes anymore. You pay Medicare tax. If you make a zillion dollars, you pay it on all of that. That doesn't change. So under the Biden tax plan, he says, okay, after 137.7 and up to 400,000, no more social security tax. But anybody who makes more than 400,000, anything over that, he would they would pay the 12.4%. I mean, do you see that possibly going through if in a law? I think it's doubtful. Okay. Uh, there are lots of reasons, not the least of which is under the current rules, you can't change Social Security under budget reconciliation, which uh-huh. means that their their path to say, and this becomes, I think, much more of an issue if we now assume that the Democrats win the two Georgia seats and are able to uh, uh, win the two Georgia seats uh, and are able to take the the control in the Senate. If the Republicans have control in the Senate, I, I simply cannot see this coming up for a vote in the next two years. Uh, 
And even if the Democrats have control there, I think it's going to be enormously difficult for something like this to move. You can't include it in budget reconciliation under the current rules. Uh, and this is, uh, I mean, this is, this is a huge item. This is much bigger than increasing the tax, the income tax rate. Oh yeah. If we're going to lay an extra and you put this in combination with the 39 because the mention there we should is that there is a proposal there's another proposal that would take the regular income tax rate up to 39.6% for right. amounts in excess taxable income in excess of 400 grand. Uh, you put that together with this and you st- if you're talking about a multi-million dollar uh item, multi-million dollars that's going to fall into otherwise self-employment income, you're talking about a rate that's going to get close to 50%. Yeah. And that is, I mean, I think now we're beginning to talk about numbers that really get people's attention. But again, playing with Social Security, and, and here's another reason. I think we all know that at some point, we're going to have to restructure Social Security. Well, I, I, I will tell you yeah. now that yeah, <laughs> I will tell you nobody in Washington talks about our debt. We're now pushing close to thirty trillion. Uh, I mean, there will be another stimulus package. I, I don't think that the, no. this government has a choice. Whether it's a scaled back version that's negotiated between um, you know Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi and the White. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. But 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 this debt is just frightening to me. I mean, do they talk about any of this on Capitol Hill? Yes, they do. Uh, and in fact, the, the, the Congressional Budget Office produced a, a report, I believe it was at the end or in the middle of October, because it goes through the end of September with their numbers, uh, that really shows some fairly horrifying uh, things with regard to what the uh, uh, the debt is likely to be, what it is likely to grow to in the next let's say 30 years, uh, the highest we've ever had in this country is a debt is, is a debt equal to 100% of the annual gross domestic product. That was right. the height of World War II. If we stay under the current schemes, don't change anything in the law, allow things to expire, don't pass an additional uh, uh, stimulus bill, We're already looking at a situation where by the end of the 2040s, we would be at 200% of estimated gross domestic product. And this is, I mean, and they were getting ready to kick Greece out of the EU for less than that. Yeah. So (laughs) at uh, some point, we're going to have to come back and we're going to have to look at a lot of these things which is another reason why I don't believe the donut hole social security thing can be included in any sort of tax reform because it's going to have to be saved for when we restructure social security. And that is, that's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Well, and, and unfortunately I, I, I was talking to my wife about this and about the budgets and everything. It's like, what is it, 40 or 45 percent of our federal budget or entitlements, something like that, Mel? It's got to be close, maybe. It's got to be close, if not more. If not and more. And that's, and, that's and, a, 
And the in, the issue, actually, the issue is there. It's not not uh, so much that, but when we get into the, uh, uh, and I'm going to uh, flip a few pages here because I've got uh, something I can look at. Uh, when we start the CBO, when we start talking about how far we're going out in 2019, uh, roughly 8% of federal outlay, outlays went to interest. Yeah. Because of the deficits we're running, their estimate in 2050 is that 26% of total federal outlays will go to interest. Well, it's a math problem. <laughs> I, I, I don't. Don't want to go too too far down the road on this because we could spend hours talking about it. Oh but, yeah. Uh, well, we, another yeah yeah I can come back. We can talk about this another time. No no you you and I are going to talk some more. So so let's talk about some of the things my dentists are looking at doing at the end of the year. Uh, we have one hundred percent bonus depreciation. Um, anything in the Biden tax plan or anything you see down the road? Any reason? Because you know I mean I, I'm telling clients. If your income is going to be higher next year, and maybe you're going to be at a higher tax rate, maybe you want to defer your equipment purchases. But do you see anything down the road that might eliminate bonus depreciation or curtail it? It's scheduled to go from 100% to 80% starting in 2023. I'm and not hearing any. 2024? 2020. That's 2023, isn't it? It's, it's, well, it's I think it's 23. Down. I think it's 23 yeah. and it drops down. Yeah. In any case. Uh, I'm not hearing any interest in accelerating that, certainly. So I think 2020, 2021, 2022, we would expect to be eligible for 100%. I think there's a lot of interest in continuing the 100% beyond 2022. But like we talked about with regard to uh, uh, to lame duck, uh, Congress gets around to doing things like third graders only when you tell them if they don't do them, they can't go out for recess. So this is, if it doesn't expire until 2023, they're not going to worry about it in 2021. Maybe, maybe we go past the timeout. Maybe we just ground all of them, make them stay home and do the whole, I don't know. Oh my gosh. So, so you don't see that. So, so doctors, if you're going to buy equipment, um, Probably going to get bonus depreciation in 2021. Definitely going to get it in 2020. I've always been one, Mel, and you're a tax guy like I am. I've always been one that says, you know what? I understand we've been in a pandemic. I've seen with our dentists, and we've talked about this before. I won't reiterate it too much, but I don't think dentists' net incomes are going to be down as much as they think they might be. I th I'm seeing 10 to 20% because of HHS provide a relief fund stimulus money because of the fact that PPP may not be deductible. Again, who knows? Because of the fact that a lot of these guys came back at 120, 130, 140% of what they were doing because of the pent up demand. So I'm saying, you know what? You're going to have taxes this year. You're going to have a tax liability. You know, let's get a tax deduction this year and I'll worry about next year, next year. That, that's, I don't know, as a tax guy, that, that's the way I've always felt. It's, there, there's a time value to money, and you know, particularly these days, there's a time value to money beyond the one tenth of one percent that the bank will pay you if you put yeah. it in your savings account. Oh, so it's, so it's uh, gone up to one tenth of one percent. So um, it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the other thing I want to bring out is is before we go into some other things, is the fact that um, some of these tax rates, um, these tax rate increases, 
I read the Tax Foundation's uh, analysis, and what they said was that for anybody who makes in the top 1%, they will have an 11% reduction in their after-tax income, but anybody underneath it is looking at 1% or 2%. I mean, the changes in rates for my dentists who are making 200 to 500,000 a year on average, some are higher, some are lower. I don't think it's going to be huge. I mean, am I reading the, the literature right? I think you're reading that right. The Biden people are going to be very careful about that $400,000 amount. And they, uh, they did not like the hits that they took from the Trump campaign that there was going to be increases below that amount. Uh, and they're going to be very, very careful to try and defend that, uh, that trigger amount. And so I think when you look at, we talk about, well, what's the top 1%? Well, the top 1%, uh, doesn't have to be much. You, you don't have to get much past $400,000 taxable income and you're in the top 1%. Yeah. So, so for my doctors, you know, one of the things we're talking about is that depending on what happens on January 5th, and unfortunately, yeah. We're not going to know till January fifth. So um, that's right. Yeah, you know, is is you know if you think that tax rates are going to go up and you're going to be in a higher tax bracket, your income is going to be higher next year because you're not going to have to shut your dental office down for ten to twelve weeks. Um, then maybe you accelerate some income into this year and you defer uh, deductions in the next year, like buying equipment. What about pension plans? Are there any changes on the horizon? I didn't see anything in the Biden tax plan unless I there missed really it. really isn't anything. I mean, there's some sort of general statements that pensions are good, that mm. people should save for retirement. <laughs> uh, actually, this is an area that, unlike most of the rest of tax, uh, does attract some uh, some pretty solid bipartisan support. Richie Neal, who is the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee, and uh, Brady uh, who is the ranking member, used to be the, the chairman when the Republicans were in charge, actually took the step of introducing legislation last week that would, they say, strengthen Americans' retirement security. Uh, but there are a couple of interesting items in here, particularly for smaller businesses. Uh, there is an expand, there, there have always been some. Uh, uh, credits for to cover your startup costs if you're starting up a pension plan. Five hundred dollars a year for three. Yeah, years. the leg well, but the legislation would increase that at least uh, double the wow. number. So hey. you know, a thousand dollars is a thousand bucks. You got five people working in the office. That's five grand. Uh, certainly, it is you know covers some of the cost of putting things together, uh, and it is uh, so that's there. Uh, there is also, and this is, I think, going to be very interesting, there is a provision in this legislation that would uh, essentially open up the so-called Section 1042 sales uh, to a ESOP and would open that up to uh, S-corporations. Okay. And so that then creates some interesting opportunities that you know, previously you had to be in C corp form to take advantage of that deferral of what would otherwise be the gain on the on the shares that you sell. Now, you know, this is a long way from being enacted, and typically, uh, this kind of pension reform legislation has taken a period of time to sort of percolate up 
Uh, lots of times we see a, a couple of year delay between the time that it's rolled out and the time that it ultimately comes through. But those are a couple of, uh, uh, you know, I think very interesting items and not dependent on this legislation. Already in the code are the new rules with regard to multi-employer 401ks. Yeah. And those become effective for tax year tax plans beginning next year. Okay, and well, well, we'll see what happens with all that. I, I want to touch on a couple more things. I know the estate tax is on the table. I know that in the Biden tax plan, see right now, folks, if, if you were to, God forbid, pass away and you were married and you did all the right elections in your estate documents, you can eliminate the estate taxes on up to about $23 million. Now, I, I again, you know, that that's a lot of money, net worth. That, that That's your net worth. That's not your income. That's your net worth. That means the value of your house and real estate and your dental practice and stuff like that. But they're talking about reducing that. I think in the Biden tax plan, it was about three and a half million per person, if I remember correctly. So what are you hearing about the estate tax? Because that's a big deal and why people might consider making some gifts before the end of the year. I don't know. Uh, again, I, this is not something that I would uh, – well, again, a lot of this depends upon what happens in Georgia. Uh, if the Republicans retain control, I would not see this kind of change coming through to affect 2021. Even if the Democrats take control, I would be doubtful that this is a change that would occur prior to 2022. Uh, but that said uh, – the shift back to essentially pre-TCJA, pre-2017 rules with regard to what the exemption amount is, to what the rate is. If you go over the exemption amount, uh, there is a there is some chance that that could be enacted, and it probably would not be uh, uh, out of line to at least consider whether or not there are things that you could do in an estate plan that would, even if you don't pull the trigger now, would position you to pull the trigger if it looks like we're getting closer to this kind of legislation going So through. it wouldn't be a bad idea, folks, if you have a significant net worth, one that is maybe below the $23 million limit, but above seven for three and a half times two, uh, might not be a bad idea for you to make a call to your estate planning attorney and say, "Hey, uh, listen, can you, um, you know, let's talk some moves I should make before the end of the year and things, things like that." So, I mean, so so basically, what we're saying, Mel, is that if if we have a Democratic sweep and the Senate goes Democratic, and the only again, the only way that happens is if the two Georgia Senate races go Democratic. And again, we don't know what's going to happen until January 5th. So we're in the classic conundrum. I mean, you remember, Mel, in 2017, uh, the, tax, uh, the, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, I think that was signed by President Trump on December 22nd. Right. Uh, so, you know, it's like you're trying to do tax planning for people and, uh, you know, <laughs> All the tax planning is done in our office in late October and November and early December, because the last two weeks of December, everybody's off celebrating with their families and stuff. Although this year is, who knows what's going to happen this year. Hopefully that's going to happen. So, um, you know, th this is this is kind of the, the, the perfect storm. And um, basically watch your news, check with your CPAs, meet with your CPAs. Please go meet with them, whether it's us or someone from the Academy of Dental CPAs or, or somebody else, go meet with them 
and, and find out what's going on. Stay on top of the PPP situation. So, Mel, yeah, again, every day you're talking to different people. What what else that might affect small businesses, dentists? Uh, is there anything else in Washington we should be cognizant of that you could think of right now? I mean, we've talked about the tax law and what's going to happen. Anything else going on that we should say? I mean, the government doesn't stop, right? Oh, no. Some of the areas particularly that we might see future legislation in, there's going to be a real push for additional infrastructure. I think however the elections come out, we're going to see that coming back on the table. Healthcare, and that includes dental services, is going to be a huge discussion. We don't know what the outcome of the case that was heard in the, uh, in the Supreme Court yesterday uh, is likely to be. Uh, the uh, uh, you know, the decision that's being considered would essentially throw out the entirety of Obamacare. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that is the case, almost certainly, regardless of which party is in charge, there will have to be some attempt to put something together that replaces it. And mm-hmm. if that is the case, how does the dental profession fit into what ultimately is put together. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that has to be the number one issue that the profession concerns itself with. Well, I, I can assure you that my friend Megan at the ADA is going to be, and their four congressional lobbyists will be on top of that. And you'll be hearing things about what they're, what, what, what they're talking about. That It's kind of scary. Hey, so Mel, if, if anybody is really fascinated by this stuff, which it is, it's, it's really interesting stuff. I love, you know, I, I love the back and forth and see where it's going to go. And, and, and hopefully, you know, hopefully we can get to some cooperation, getting some really good things done in this country. Cause God knows we all need some good things to happen to us after this year. Um, how can, if someone wants to email you with a question or get a hold of you, how would they get a hold of you? Uh, it's just send an email to M Schwartz, M is in Mary, S C H W A R Z. There is no T in Schwartz. It's uh-huh. just like the toy store. Right. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. Uh, and that's at Ide Bailey, E I D E B A I L L Y dot com. And oh. am happy to uh, uh, happy to talk with anyone. And uh, but really, the the best way to reach me will be through uh, through email. Well, that's fantastic. And so, Mel, any any final comments? I mean, uh, I'm not going to ask you to make any predictions because that'll get both you and I into trouble. But um, uh, any final comments as far as you know? I'm a dentist. I'm getting down to the last two months of the year. Uh, yeah, other than just pray and throw something up on the wall and hope that it sticks. You know, I mean, uh, you've given a really good synopsis of what you think is going to happen. You know, don't panic. I think that's always a, a good idea. Don't change things that make business sense because you're afraid of paying an extra dime in tax. Uh, let the business let let business be the dog. Tax can be the tail. Yeah, and I think that's particularly the case this time because I really don't think we're going to, regardless of who wins in Georgia, regardless of who wins the president. I don't think we're going to see very significant tax changes take effect in 2021. We're going to see them talked about, and we may see some of them voted on. But the effective date, I think, is much more likely to be pushed farther out than certainly to be retroactive back to January 1. 
So my heart palpitations just stopped. I appreciate it. <laughs> Mel Schwartz, Director of Legislative Affairs at Ide Bailey. Thank you for your time today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for all you do to help our clients and stuff like that. And ladies and gentlemen, and hang on before we, we uh, when I sign off, but um, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get a hold of me in my office in Tustin, uh, my home office, it comes right through to my computer, uh, 657-279-3243. Uh, email me at awiederman at eidbailey.com. That's W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at eidbailey.com. Uh, check out Decisions in Dentistry magazine, www.decisionsindentistry.com. Uh, our Academy of Dental CPAs, www.adcpa.org. Please like our podcast of the 11th today um, on social media. And we'll, uh, that's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And we'll uh, put you in the running for a gift card, a $100 Visa gift card. And as I say to all of you in uh, every single week, it's been a challenging year. It's almost over. Uh, we're all confident. Mel's kind of shaking his head. I can see him on the TV, uh, on the computer that, uh, you know, failure is not an option, folks. That is what we're saying. Work hard on what you're doing. We're going to have information about some webinars that we're doing here in Southern California that we're going to invite everybody to join in. Put December 9th on your calendar because we're going to be talking about, again, year-end tax planning, maybe a little more information on what we think, although I don't think it's going to change a whole lot between now and then. Uh, but anyway, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, uh, everyone, for listening. Please tell all of your friends about the podcast. Like the podcast. Uh, you know, Send us some comments, anything you'd like to see. So that is it for this episode of The Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman, CPA. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's a W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.